the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Back on the Bruce Hooley Show, and you guys have all been following, I'm sure, the events in Cuba. And I wanted to bring uh, to the table someone who has lived it and is living it right now in Miami, Florida. He is a longtime friend of mine, a former colleague from my years in Miami. His name is Armando Salguero. You can find him on Twitter at his name, Armando Salguero. He is a columnist for the Miami Herald. And Armando, I really appreciate your time today. And from my time with you at the Miami News years ago and a couple of dear friends of both of ours who have uh, since gone on to their final reward, Leo Suarez and Pedro Gomez, uh, you know, I gained an appreciation for how much you guys love your homeland of Cuba and how deeply the passions run uh, for your homeland. And I just wanted to bring you on to have you give us a feeling of what it's like now in Miami, Florida, with people seeing these events in Cuba, and I'm sure being hopeful that freedom will finally come to the land you guys love so much. Right. Well, no, I appreciate you having me on, Bruce, and, uh, you know, always a pleasure to speak with you. And, you know, you're right. Um, there, I have great love for the place where I was born. I was born in Havana, Cuba, by the way. Uh, I have great love for the United States of America. <laughs> and and so it's a shared love. Mm-hmm. Uh, let there be no doubt about that. It's not one of those things where I feel like I'm Cuban. I am indeed American and uh, America first. So there's that. But I obviously have a connection to the place. Um, I came to this country when my my parents brought me. I was four years old. Interestingly, you know, Fidel Castro, who was a communist, mm-hmm. uh, took over in 1959, and my parents saw the writing on the wall, and they applied to to flee the country because they didn't want to raise their only child. Uh, in a communist country, especially with the greatest country on earth 90 miles away, right? Mm -hmm. So for four years, once you apply for an exit visa from communist Cuba, you are uh, a persona non grata, basically. You you are exiled from the community. Uh, they, They call you a gusano, which is a worm. Mm. And w- what that means is you're not allowed to work. You're not allowed to basically enjoy any any of the help that the what little help the government gives you. You're basically on your own. So for five years, that's how it was with us. And the reward for that was that in June of 1967, I was four years old. 
um, we were able to take part in what was at that time called the Freedom Flight. It was flights from Havana Airport to Miami International Airport. A lot of Cubans came to this country via that. Interestingly, myself, my mom, and my dad were supposed to come. We were at the airport. We, uh, at that time, you walked to the plane and you disembarked and embarked through a, you know, it was a ladder. It wasn't a jetway like sure. it is today. Sure. And I remember plain as day that we took the walk from the terminal to the, you know, the ladder um, to the staircase. And there was a soldier, uh, we, you know, a gorilla, basically. Uh, a gorilla, G-U-E. Yeah. Not G O R. I, I got you. I know what you mean. Uh, and he was, uh, you know, he had an AK, and he asked to see my family's papers. And my my mom and my dad showed him our papers, and he said, "Well, the three of you are uh, cleared to to go today, but I've decided that only two of you are going. <sighs> so figure it out, or don't any of you go. I don't care what you do." So basically, he just decided on a whim that he was going to mess with us. Yeah. Uh, and there was this great drama at, you know, at the foot of that stairwell. Um, my dad ultimately, you know, made my mom and I get on that plane and he stayed behind. Wow. How did he, uh, how did he arrive safely then in the U.S.? Well, it wasn't until three years later. Oh, my goodness. So we were, you know, because that dude with the AK-47 decided, uh, you know, my family was broken up for three years. Wow. And when I saw my dad the next time, I didn't recognize him. You know, I, I was, whatever it was, I was six or seven at that point. Um, I, you know, it wasn't the same. Uh, he... He was emaciated. He looked like he'd aged 10 years. Uh, And I had to basically learn to love the man again Mm -hmm. because he was a stranger to me. Had he been tortured uh, because they knew, obviously, of his desire to leave the country? I mean, through you and some of the other gentlemen that I mentioned earlier, you know, you hear these uh, horror stories of how people are treated. And and you've always been very open in talking about and setting people straight of— who try to convey that, oh, no, no, there's good parts to the Castro regime and all this. One of the things that I have it's such a deep admiration for you over is that you've spoken in real terms, having lived it, how horrific that was for you and your relatives. Right. So my dad wasn't tortured when after we left. My, mom's, my mom had a brother who was assassinated, basically. Mm. Uh, he was put up against the firing squad by Che Guevara's thugs and um, <laughs> without, you know, without a trial, without anything, his sure. crime was that he was not a communist and would not bow to communism mm. uh, and was not okay with the revolution. <laughs> so that was his, you know, that was his crime against the state. And he was summarily uh, executed by firing squad. 
Armando Salguero is our guest. Armando is a columnist for the Miami Herald, and we're talking about the events in Cuba, which he has experienced, um, you know, firsthand uh, years ago, being born in Havana, and now uh, watching closely from his home in Miami. Uh, I can only imagine what it's been like in Little Havana. I saw today a news headline, Palmetto Expressway was shut down. Uh, This has to be such a hopeful moment for people who live in Miami, uh, like yourself, who have Cuban roots, Cuban relatives, who have similar stories to yours, Armando, hoping for the arrival of a day where Cuba is truly free. What's it like in Miami right now? Yeah, no, it's, there's cautious optimism. Obviously, the people in Cuba have risen up spontaneously, organically, knowing that, you know, they don't have weapons. They don't have any sort of defense mechanisms. They are at the behest of uh, the state and their numbers. And what has happened is a great many of them, in fact, I published on Twitter, there's already a list of uh, quote-unquote protesters who were detained or merely, you know, literally disappeared Mm -hmm. overnight Mm -hmm. because they had the gall to say that they wanted to be free. And so, uh, and today... There has been reports of snipe, government snipers just shooting protesters at at a whim from rooftops, uh, and there is, uh, you know, a, a quite a chilling video of of a kid being gunned down by a couple of government agents in cold blood. None of these people have weapons. You know, uh, guns are not allowed. Uh, in the general population in Cuba. So there's no way to fight uh, the government. Uh, These people are just taking to the streets because they've had enough, and they are risking life and limb knowing that merely taking to the streets can cost them their lives. And for some, it has come to that. Armando Salguero is our guest, Miami Herald columnist and uh, you knew, I know the initial reports were they were protesting over lack of COVID vaccines. You have dealt with these kinds of um, sort of massaging the truth over the years. You, I think, very courageously uh, spoke, quite frankly, to Colin Kaepernick years ago when you were on a conference call with him and, uh, you know, set him straight on Fidel Castro, Castro's background. You're not uh, unfamiliar with the viewpoints put forward by Bernie Sanders, by AOC, about uh, life in Cuba. You've seen Obama go to Cuba, try to normalize relations with Cuba. Uh, You said when we started this, Armando, you're fully American, and yet you have a tie to Cuba because you were born there. Uh, How do you process all that when you hear uh, viewpoints put forward that try to put a happier face on what you know not to be true about the land where you were born? Well, I know that it's a lie. It's not that I know it not to be true. I know that it's outright lies and fabrications and, you know, kind of it's almost like there are people working in American politics as public relations agents for the copy for the communist terroristic government of Cuba. <laughs> it's, it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, you know, the, the people of Cuba you you look at the you look at the evidence. You look at what few uh, snippets of tape of video 
that is available of those demonstrations. And again, just people walking down streets, that's what they are. Mm -hmm. Because there is no looting, burning, there's nothing to loot anyway, so Mm -hmm. I don't know what that would look like. Um, But they are all, 100% of them, chanting libertad. That's like, libertad is liberty, freedom. That's what they want. That is what they want. I, I, I take them at their word. I understand what they're saying. They're not saying vaccine. Right. <laughs> they're, they're not saying money. They're not saying, uh, you know, housing. Sure, food. They're not saying cars. The only right. cars are you know, driven by the police and the army and the communist elites, uh, except for the, you know, the 50s, you know, refurbished cars that some people have uh, from America. Um, But my point is, there's one reason for this uprising such as it is, and that is uh, a nation of people, and again, it's across the nation of Cuba, it's From what I understand, it's in 60 towns at least uh, that people have organically started doing this. They are asking for freedom, Mm. freedom from an oppressive, tyrannical government. That's all they're asking for. There is no negotiating going on where they're saying, "Okay, well, if you can't give us freedom, we'll be happy to deal with you and negotiate with you and give us a covid vaccine or give us you know, an extra ration this month of cheese. That's not the that's not the motivation for these, um, you know, demonstrations. The motivation at its core is an oppressed people who want freedom. It happened in Poland. It happened in East Germany. Uh, to a lesser degree, it happened in the former USSR. Uh, it happened in, at Tiananmen Square and in Hong Kong uh, to much uh, more devastating mm-hmm. and unfortunate results. But it, it's what, and by the way, it happened in the United States of America in 1776 when an oppressed people rose up against a more powerful oppressor. That's as simple as what is happening right now in Cuba. I cannot say it any more eloquently than that, any more passionately. Armando, I appreciate you putting a a very personal touch on a situation that all of us need to pray about. Um, I wish you well in your professional, personal, spiritual endeavors. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. Thank you so much. It's always my pleasure, Bruce, anytime.